You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, good morning, welcome, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Thursday morning breakfast show with myself, Kayum, and joining me today is brother Tokir, and or shall I say, Imam Tokir, and as always, um, joining us uh, all the way from planet Mars. Where, where is Mars nowadays? Is it Stroud, isn't it? <laughs> Stroud, Stroud. Yeah. Joining us from Stroud, as always, is Brother Sharif. Gentlemen, good morning. Peace be on you. Good morning. Peace be upon you, too. How is uh, Brother Thakir? Brother Thakir? Hello, Brother Thakir? We're live, Brother Thakir. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't had his coffee yet. Yes. Ah, you see? There you no, go. No, I, I had tea instead. Oh, ooh. <laughs> Yeah. I, I prefer tea. In the He's world. more refined, you see, Brother Sharif. We, <laughs> we, we, we are the coffee. He's refined. We're presenting with the Valisa of I prefer tea now. Oh, here we go. I've transitioned more towards a tea, tea morning person. Wonderful, wonderful. As long as we're all here and awake and uh, and ready for business. Uh, busy morning today. Um, we've got some fantastic topics that we're going to be talking about. Um, we're going to be talking about something that is affecting us on a daily basis and it's something that we're going to have to get used to for at least 18 months to 24 months um, and which is um, the cost of living crisis and what we're going to be talking about this morning from 7.30 onwards is we're going to be talking about how supermarkets are offering cheap meals for children to help families keep the costs down. We're going to be doing that from 7.30 until around quarter past eight. Uh, and then our second segment is going to be um, maths being used to protect kids' tantrums during car journeys. Um, it's a discussion uh, based around some research done, um, and we'll be listening to some discussions that was done uh, between some mums, and uh, we will also be looking at um, the Islamic angle um, and the Islamic perspective on both of these uh, topics uh, where Imam Tokir will um, will hopefully enlighten us with uh, um, how these topics fall um, within the scope of of uh, Islamic um, way of life, uh, one should say. But before we do that, um, it is uh, looking out the window. It is a looks like a mild day, but it, there there is a gentleman. Is is there a sense of chill out there? I see you're wearing your. Um, you're, you're, you're wearing a jacket, brother. Yeah, I, I think it's that time of the season where uh, jackets or raincoats, you know, need, do need to come out. Uh, there's, there's a slight chill in the air. There is a slight um, chill. Yeah. There and, is, yeah. And I mean, looking at the forecast, this from BBC Weather, the forecast is that today we'll see a mix of sunshine and variable cloud and insulated showers. And some of these will be rather heavy in places during the afternoon and a warm and breezy day. And tonight, there will continue to be a mix of clear spells, variable cloud and scattered showers, many of which will be rather heavy and potentially thundery. So that's the weather forecast for today. Um, Brother Sharif, what's the, what's, the, what's the weather saying up there all the way in Stroud? It's relatively cloudy today, and there was a chill this morning when I went out, so it was about 13 to 15 degrees. So I was wearing a jumper, I must say, and it was a little bit cold. Yeah. It's getting to that time of year now, even in the evening, as soon as the sun sets around 8, 8.15, and it, it gets a lot cooler. Cool. 
What's been happening in the in in the, in the in the news? Let's go and have a look at uh, what the newspapers are are talking about. Um, I mean, I'm looking at uh, the kind of the headline news uh, from uh, from the BBC, um, and you know where all the different um, you know headlines are, are are being covered. Brother Sharif, anything that comes to your attention? Well, most um, most of the um, papers this morning is talking about Liz Truss and um, and uh, Rishi Sunak's um, bid for the leadership campaign, and the Daily Telegraph um, headlines Truss hints she may axe motorway speed limits. Yeah, what's that got so, to do with the cost of living crisis? You know, e- exactly. <laughs> you know, it seems to be that they are grasping at straws now in the last bid to win people's vote. Um, the Tory leadership campaign. Let let me ask both of you gentlemen a question. I mean, the next Prime Minister is going to be chosen by 160,000 members, paid members of the Conservative Party. Um, How do you feel about, uh, you know, you having to serve a Prime Minister who's being chosen by the will of 160,000 people in a country that has a population of 67 million? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, we, we've we gone through the pandemic and uh, our prime minister was Boris Johnson. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really surprised by anything now. Okay. So whatever, whatever, you know, the, the conservatives or, uh, you know, any of the other parties throw at us, uh, we're, we're used to it now. Cool. There you go. Doom <laughs> and gloom. Doom and gloom. What's your, what's, gloom, what's, yeah. what's your take, uh, Brother Sharif? Well, the the way I look at it is in the last general election the country voted conservative as a majority. So with that we have a rule and we have um the democracy where it, it this is the way we choose a leader in, in that in in the political parties and have, but, but should they not if, if if they're looking to change, should they not just go I mean, wouldn't the uh, the right thing to election. do was to go to general election? Um I I think so, if that's my personal opinion. And so that we can um, see what led the majority of the people in the country vote in terms of who the next prime minister should be. Um, but in this case, we're not at liberty to do that. And the, and the rule is that we, we choose a, um, a conservative leader. And as such, if we have, in my opinion, if we feel strongly about it, we should join the Conservative Party and cast our vote towards whichever leader that we feel. Mm. So, but that's my opinion, and um, I know there's a lot of viewers, um, listeners out there who would disagree with me. But um, it is it is what it is at the moment, and we have to go with it. And like Tokir, brother Tokir said, that we've gone through a major pandemic, we've gone through a crisis in Ukraine, and everything with Boris Johnson as our prime minister. And I don't think um, it could be bleaker than that. Um, the reason I ask is, um, I mean, Brother Thuki, even though, I mean, we, I joke about the, you know, the, the leadership side of it, and, and but, but the problem in today's day and age, especially, um, I, th- I think across the board, to me, it wasn't, I, I'm glad that Brother Sharif, you mentioned all other parties as well, and so did Brother Thuki. There is this lack of leadership that uh, that is that is across the board, irrespective, you know, the fact that Conservatives are in power. And and uh, I don't think they need somebody else to kind of dig their grave. They're digging it themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that Labour is absent, um, you know, they, they are there verbally, but in practice, um, um, and 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 even from a point of view of having constructive 
um, um, plans, should they come into power, um, are missing. Um, they just don't seem to be on the horizon. Um, it's to me, it's the, the 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 fact that you know nobody knows what is happening, or nobody cares, and that message is is kind of and is 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 it's kind of going getting through into the public and the reason i mention this is because this is directly related to the first topic we're going to be talking about that uh, we are you know and and brother dokir mentioned the pandemic as well even in the pandemic um we looked towards the politicians we looked towards experts we looked towards other people to get us out of this predicament and Politicians failed, experts failed, medical experts failed in respect of guidance. Um, we all, we, we, you know, we are all very blasé with the fact that we only, the word only lost 200,000 people in the pandemic is shameful. And it's, it's, it's uh, 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 you know, it's proof that there was an absolute failure in in guidance of how people need to do and what they need to what they need to give and and the proof of that is that you know being one of the wealthiest uh, economies in the world with the expertise um of best some of the best expertise around the world we are in i think top 5 countries where there were so many people's lost so many lives mm. were lost mm. and if one sorry. was to sorry yes brother sharif gone no, I was going to say this is why there's an inquiry um, starting in the summer, next summer, to look into COVID um, decisions that Boris Johnson and his top advisors took in early 2020. That's right. So that would be an interesting kind of outcome to look at what um, the inquiry actually comes out with. Well, I'll be honest year. with you. My, 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 again, I agree with you. And but then I, you know, looking at historical trends, the the when they do the Helder inquiry, it will be. There will be no accountability, and 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 you know Grenfell is your perfect example that right, yeah. there needs to be accountability. Seventy four people, mm. or is it is it it went up to ninety? I think, um, and I'm sure somebody will call and correct me. People burnt to death for crying out loud, and then and, and and people who did the inquiry at the onset kind of gave indications that they're probably it's unlikely. That there will be any corporal punishment, uh, corporal uh, corporate responsibility, uh, or if anybody will be held accountable, and and yeah. you know people are still homeless. That building is still covered. Nothing is done with it. No lessons have in reality have been learnt um, um, from from that disaster. Um, and and go for it. Sorry, brother Sharif. No, I, I completely agree that accountability and true justice is missing from from our society at the moment. But going back to your point earlier about accountability in political party, um, I've got a question that I don't know whether you have a thought about it or you have an opinion on it. Do you think the reason why we are seeing a lack of um, visibility or accountability or responses from political parties is because we're in a situation where it's a lose-lose situation? If you look at COVID, no matter what political party was or is in power, they would have been faced with the same uncertainty and same decision-making process. And whatever decision they would have made, they would have been in the same situation. People would have questioned everything they do. 
and also with the Ukraine crisis and all the all those situations that we're finding ourselves in, that uh, it's a lose-lose for whatever political party is in power. And this is why we're not hearing anything or a lack of voice from the opposition or any other party for that matter. No, I, I don't agree. Uh, I don't believe it's a lose-lose. No? I don't believe it's a lose-lose. Um, I, I do think there is, uh, there is, there is ample um, um, uh, policies and, and actions that governments can take, um, which is, and, and the perfect example would be if you was to look across the pond, uh, and, and, and I mean the European pond, not the America. In Europe, um, you know, it's, it is bad, don't get me wrong, but the reason it's bad is because countries like Italy, Germany, France, uh, especially Italy and Germany, 40 to 50% of their reliance is on gas which is coming from 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 Ukraine uh, from from Russia and they're more affected by the Ukraine crisis than UK is where i think ours is about 4% 4 to 5% um 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 uh, um uh, we our reliability on it I mean, this is a really interesting discussion and uh, particularly speaking, I'm no expert in it. But what I would say is uh, that if we look at the teachings of Islam, we can look for guidance as to what does Islam say with regards to looking after the poor and the vulnerable members of the society. And in fact, uh, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, explains that there are two main fundamentals of the Sharia. One is that you should give due rights towards God Almighty, meaning that if we study the Holy Quran, uh, and if we look deeply into it, there are various commandments that, as we being as Muslims, that we are due to give towards God Almighty. For example, remembering, praying Him five times a day. And the second main fundamental of the Sharia is that we should give duras towards His creation, Hakuku Lebad. And uh, this covers various aspects. And one of them is looking after the vulnerable, the poor members of the society. And if we look at the Holy Quran for, for guidance as to what the Holy Quran says, let us, for example, look at chapter 51, verse 20. God Almighty says in the Holy Quran, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, and in their wealth was a share for one who asked for help and for one who could not. And if we ponder over this verse, God Almighty says that uh, if we look at poor members of the society, you know, you will find two different types of people. One is are those members who are vulnerable, who are poor, and they will ask within the society for help. They will ask that you know they need help, and uh, you know the, you know they and those particular office bearers or those in authority, they should help those who are asking for help. But the second aspect of this verse is that even those who do not ask for help, who do not say that they're in such a poor or vulnerable situation which is most people which is which is most people as uh, self-respect yeah. dignity yeah and isn't i mean i i think it's a beautiful verse that you mentioned it, it, correct me if i'm wrong it is up to the individual the, the people who are in charge of governance it is their responsibility to make sure that they are provide before mm. being asked mm. because Part and parcel of providing is to maintain people's dignity and self-respect, is it not? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is what this verse says, that uh, as those who are in authority, they, they should look to see that who are those people who are truly in a difficult situation or who are vulnerable. And uh, looking at this verse of the Holy Quran, it says that you, we, we, you know, uh, we should help those particular people. Another place, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, that uh, God Almighty was most pleased by those who helped the poor, who filled their empty stomachs and who arranged for their medical treatments for them. And I mean, if we look more deeply into it, I mean, this is also the discussion for our segment one as well. We'll look more deeply into the Islamic perspective as to what does Islam says regarding those people who are poor and vulnerable. So we'll continue this discussion there. But and, just, and, sorry, Belshiv, yes. And I was going to add to that was um, in one of the His Holiness was at Mizamasura, and in one of his um, Friday sermon, he mentioned that the Caliph, as at Umar, when he was in charge of um, um, the Muslims, he he used to go out at night um, and see who of among his people did not have food, and made sure that he himself took food to them. So that was the example that, you know, the Khulafas, the Caliphs, after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, um, kind of gave us in terms of what the example should be of people in charge and uh, of ourselves who are in government. And, you know, going back to your question, Brother Sharif, you, we have to bear in mind, governments uh, in recent years have, have kind of treated the people that they govern mm. as as and, and forgive me by by treating them as they're stupid. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and thinking that oh, they, you know that they don't understand politics. It's got nothing to do with mm. politics. And the perfect example would be we're going through an energy crisis. Um, by January or by October, there, there's another uh, increase coming in October, which will mean that our energy prices. Uh, will effectively go up by 126%. Then it's going to go up in January again. That means by January, we are, on average, by some experts or some predictions, we will be paying four times the bill we were paying last year. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if one was to look in France, the increase is 4%. 4%. Mm. Yeah. They're more affected by this crisis in shortage. Mm. But uh, in the French government, it's all about, you know, they, they've decided to buy back and, and, and nationalize um, energy on a, on a, on a, you know, on a, uh, um, uh, a piece, on a slow, slow, gradual process where they will start to buy back so, so they can pass the benefit on to the public. We are going the other way. Other yeah. things people don't realize is when companies buy gas they buy four to five years in advance so the energy we're using now the gas companies they bought it four years ago at probably two pence per kilowatt and they were supposed to sell it for around eight to nine p per kilowatt but they're taking advantage of the fact that effectively if if you know this stock that they are using should have should have been used in three years time mm. but this is where is profiteering happening you know they're charging 20 20 28 to 30 or maybe even more pence per kilowatt mm -hmm. for for what they bought it for and plus the gas and electric pricing 
is interconnected, which it shouldn't be. There should be two separate elements. There's two, two separate, um, um, there are two separate utilities. But mm. the the pricing has been tied at the source of when it's supplied. So what that means is that if gas goes up, electricity will automatically go up. When it shouldn't happen that way. If gas is going up, electricity and electricity in real terms isn't going up, they should separate them. They should be charged on merit on on the the, the situation or the availability of the certain utility, but it's not. And they keep and these are some small facts. And again, the, these are things that I have heard from other listening to other people, academics, people who work in the industry, and and you know. Things like a social tariff, when you know you're, there is a population element who is not, like the elderly, the disabled, the people on low income, mm. when you know you have a record of these people on your system, mm. why not give them a social tariff? You know, give them a tariff, set up a tariff. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, it, it, they come up with, oh, it's too administrative, it's too complicated. When a government comes back to you and people who govern us and say to us mm. that, hold on, it's too complicated. And the opposition sits back and says mm, nothing. What that means is that even the opposition is in agreement because sometimes mm. in these kind of scenarios, silence means we don't want to deal with it either. So yeah. I'm, I'm not talking specifically anti-government. I'm saying... This is a, a responsibility for for everyone across the board, and, and nobody is saying anything. I don't see all I see in the in the game in the newspapers are saying it. We seem to be regurgitating the same problem in a different. In, we're just using different words. Nobody mm. has yet to come up with a solution or some guidance um, in, in respect of how um, one needs to go forward. Um, in respect of how to to tackle this crisis but you know just just uh, you know uh, moving on to what other papers are saying um you know daily mirror is covering the same thing thing three million people are going to be pushed into poverty um we've already spoken about you know the the, the notion of uh, we can you know probably speed uh, on the motorways uh, that's the solution of the in the incumbent prime minister um you know um one thing that did come to you know i i saw on the news yesterday the german government has decided to go back to coal um the coal minings are back up and running and mm -hmm. they're going to be fully operational in november because they said well you know the the climate is not as important as the well-being of our of our citizens if gas is going to be short we will go back to coal so they're going to ensure they're going to ensure that their their residents and their citizens are warm in winter mm -hmm. and at the cost at the cost of climate and i don't see anyone screaming and shouting um about it uh, in in the newspapers um and finally um an interesting piece of uh, reporting that was done uh, by by the times um and uh, it's talking about how um, a review has found that 44% of children born at the start of the century did not grow up in a two-parent household uh, compared to 21% in 1970. So effectively, nearly 50% of children born um, were born in a single household. And, and the question being asked is, has that, has that statistic affected the fabric, the moral fabric of society? Ethics, values, morals... 
have they diminished or disappeared? Um, it's it's a it's a fascinating report. I think it's it's worth reading. Um, um, you know, maybe we will um, actually pick this up in in future programs uh, because it's I think it's a very relevant topic. Um, because in today's day and age, it's just not trendy and fashionable to talk about ethics, morals, and values. Whereas, if there's one thing that's needed more than anything else in everything in all aspects of life that we uh, look to find solutions for. Ethics, morals, values um, uh, are are kind of um, the, the foundation stone of 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 uh, of every solution that we may be um, looking for, or the solutions are within that uh, uh, within that realm. You're listening to the breakfast show with myself, Kayum, um, brother Tokir, and brother Sharif. Um, we're going to take a very quick short break. When we come back, we're going to go on to our first topic of the morning, which is. Um, Supermarket offering supermarkets are offering cheap meals for children to help families keep costs down. If you want to contribute, if you um, have an idea of how, um, if if you're if you know of a method where how you can keep the cost down, we would love to hear from you. Oh two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Um, you can join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK, or you can email us um, via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Go and grab yourself a cup of coffee, a toast, marmite, uh, avocado, uh, post eggs, um, or if it was Brother Thakir, it's uh, you know what is it? It's, it's a paratha and eggs and and you know what, what's your what's your breakfast, brother? Uh, it depends uh, on my mood, to be honest. Ooh. Right now, I'm feeling a bit of toast, a bit of jam, a bit of butter, a bit and some tea. Ah, did you hear that butter? He wants a bit of butter, mate. <laughs> brother Sharif, is it is it the Mauritian? What's a Mauritian breakfast, man? Enlighten um, us. Bread, fresh bread uh, from the bakery with cheese, butter, jam. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, so it, uh, it ain't no different from British one, is it? No, but the only difference is it has to be fresh bread from the bakery baked in the morning. Um, lots of fruit. Uh, yeah, and fresh juice. There you go. He, 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 he added a bit of fruit to make it sound a bit more exotic. And some juice. And some juice. <laughs> and some juice. There you go. I prefer an espresso. But, me, it's but an es- for me, it's an espresso. There you go. A double espresso. That's about it. Now, yes. hold that thought. Go and grab yourself whatever breakfast you like. And uh, we're going to be right back after a very short break. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. I'm 
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. عن عمر بن شعيب رضي الله عنه عن أبيه عن جده قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله يحب أن يرى أثر نعمته على عبده. It is narrated by Hazrat Amr bin Shuhayb رضي الله تعالى عنه from his father. From his grandfather who reported, the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, Indeed, Allah loves to see the results of his favours upon his servant. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayu, and Brother Thukir. And joining us from Stroud um, uh, remotely is Brother Sharif. Um, Brother Sharif, may I ask if I request... What is this um, the, the the topic uh, that we're going to be talking um, about? Uh, um, the supermarket offering cheap meals for children to help families keep costs down. What's the gist um, of this uh, of of this this topic that we're discussing? Well, uh, ASDA has been praised for the announcement of their one pound meal charge. So recently, it was announced that children across Scotland will be able to eat at all of their cafes for just one pound during the summer holidays. In order to help families keep costs low this summer, ASDA has said children aged 16 and under can access a hot or cold meal for just one pound. But the main thing about this is there is no minimum spend required to access the one pound deal for kids. The announcement has gone down so well with parents who have urged the likes of Morrison, Tesco and others to follow their lead. So, what we're saying is that, uh, you know, I mean, it sounds, I'll be honest with you, looking at the market forces and economics and capitalism, uh, you know, it it makes one wonder, why are they doing this? Uh, Is it really for the benefit of people? Uh, Or is there a catch? Um, And, uh, you know, I'm sure, um, I hope and pray there isn't a catch. But, uh, yeah. um, you know, when it comes to, to supermarkets and, uh, and, and uh, general retail, um, it's rare that, uh, you know, beneficial um, offers are ever um, intentionally um, there to help the, the, the customer. There's always an angle. Um, so, as does not the only one, is it? I mean, Iceland has, has uh, also done... Um, a a zero percent. They have got an interest-free scheme. Um, it's it's a food club, is it? Yep. It, yeah, yeah, they've taken action by allowing people to become members of the food club, where one is allowed to apply for interest-free microloans of of about twenty-five to a hundred pounds on a pre-loaded card, um, which one must pay back at the rate of ten pound a week. Some have urged that such methods of help are useless, but Iceland has argued. 
back that this organization has helped many people. I wouldn't say, I mean, I think, you know, to, to say is useless um, is, 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 I think, a bit harsh. <laughs> I don't agree, you know, that uh, I, I do think that uh, offering loans in, in a time period when uh, people are already already in debt to increase that debt um, is is dangerous um, and uh, and and counterproductive, but um, not everyone um, is in a bad situation. For people who are uh, um, not in debt and are just struggling because of the um, severity of this crisis, um, they might benefit. Um, and you know, um, Iceland generally has actually been known to be uh, very. Um, 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 what's the word? Considerate towards mm. towards their customers. However, um, my question to both of you, gentlemen, um, when these these when these when these big retailers offer one pound meal charges, is it the cost of the meal that's important, or at times like this, the quality of the meal goes out of the window and only price matters? I mean, both of you are parents as well. Um, not yet. Not yet. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a parent. There yet. you go. I, I have, I've just made, I've just made parents out of two people who are not parents. I'm the only parent here, and I can assure you, quality matters. I've answered my own question. But, um, but God willing, soon. But personally but speaking, right. but personally speaking, from yourselves, if I was to say to you. Guys, here's a one-pound meal. Mm. Will it come across your mind that hold on, pound can't be good quality? What's your guys' take um, on that? If I may, uh, brother uh, Tokir. Sorry, brother, you've just just. Uh, no, no, it's okay. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, brother Kim. I remember uh, when I went to uh, when I went to Mali in uh, West Africa. Um, we were there in uh, one of the local villages. And uh, I remember uh, we didn't have breakfast, the, the whole team. So we went to one of these local places. And at that time, uh, there was a bunch of kids that came over to us. And uh, I literally had, uh, I mean, it was the local currency there, but it was worth one pound. Mm. And uh, I was surprised that how much a pound can actually do. Um, because there, there were those kids who had not eaten and they were asking for some food and it was actually quite moving for me the first time you know that uh, I directly got to see uh, because obviously as Muslims you know we've been told that we should give arms we should give to the charity but this was the first time for me where I not, not I mean you know bought something and physically gave something to little kids for them to eat and it was so moving for me that you know I, I realized that uh, it doesn't matter how much you give uh, your intention is the main thing here really and you know we've covered this story many a times and th there are I remember reading various articles where you know parents themselves are starving they, they haven't eaten the whole day just so out of that money they could give to young children so in this sort of situation when you know you need to provide food on the table for the family mm. uh, quality is 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 a is sort of for the for the people you know with luxury who 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 can afford it but, but at such a situation you know where you can't even afford to put 
food on the table, you know, any anything would would be a bonus here, you know. You know, I, 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 it's it's worth pointing out here. I mean, Brother Thakir um, uh, mentioned giving of alms, and and that's part and parcel of the teachings. But re- remember, um, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Um, when when you know he claimed to be prophet, when he when he, and he, and we know him as the prophet of prophets, mm. he didn't reject any of the teachings that came before him. Mm. So giving of alms was one of those teachings that has been around for centuries before from all the prophets beforehand. So when we talk about it's just that the, the difference when it came to the Holy Prophet of giving of arms was he raised the level of importance of giving arms of what pleasure you gain by pleasing God Almighty and what return you receive from God Almighty and the, the significance of giving arms. So it was give. It's something that has been present even at the times of Moses, Abraham, Noah, all during all the prophets. It's been a standard teaching of God throughout all the faiths. But the significance that was given by the Holy Prophet on this particular, in fact, uh, charity, and and we have covered so many times the the payment of zakat. It's actually a pillar of Islam, and and that within itself tells you the significance of giving alms in these kind of situations. Um. Brother Sharif, if I may. Um, what I'm absolutely right, and I agree with uh, Brother Tokir, is I think we are privileged enough that we can think about quality of the stuff we buy, hmm. and we've we've grown up in a society where we think quality over quantity. However, when, like Brother Tokir said, when you're struggling to put food on the table, quality kind of falls behind and you're looking at what is it that you can afford and I think when you look at what the gesture that um, Asda has taken in terms of the one pound meal charge in in Scotland for me the biggest element of it is the fact there is no minimum charge associated with it whereas in other um, supermarkets we've seen that they've imposed a minimum charge of 10 pound 4 pound 5 pound that you had to spend so there is a catch like mm. you rightly said that you know the parents need to spend 5 pound 10 pound in the cafe or in the store in order to um, be eligible for the 1 pound meal however with us this is not the case there mm. is no minimum charge so if a parent is truly struggling to put food, hot food or cold food on the table, a pound is a reasonable amount um, that they can afford because um, I was reading the article into a lot more detail and they were saying that, you know, sometimes the parents or that are going to those kind of offers would struggle to even spend 10 pound in the store and that's why they, they're looking for these deals so that they can actually serve a hot meal for their children and it's actually cheaper than school meals at the moment so especially during the summer um, the school holidays where children who are used to getting school meals will not be getting them and this is a real added bonus or benefit that they are able to reach out to ASDA and go and have a meal um, you know, similarly, the the statistical example of the Iceland model of the interest-free loan um, has shown that it's helpful for those who aren't able to access mainstream banks because a lot of banks will not offer you interest. Well, in fact, nobody will offer you interest-free loans. An independent social impact report on the on this particular trial showed that 95% of the participants found the food club helpful. 92% were able to end or reduce their use of food banks. 
More than 80% were able to stop borrowing from high-cost uh, high loan sharks. 71% said they were less likely to fall behind on rent, council tax or other bills. 67% said their diet had improved and 57% reported a reduction in stress, anxiety and depression about their finances. Now, you know, there is a caveat here that the cost of living crisis and the real increase in prices hasn't really hit yet. And that also concerns me because uh, a lot of people are worried that the prices have already hit the, the supermarket shelves. Well, this is just the beginning. Um, mm. These prices are going to go up more and more and more um, as there is... Um, there, there are a lot of strikes coming, and one of the, one of the, one of the side effects, or the main side effect of uh, industrial action um, across the board in all the fields, um, in, in 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 all trades um, across UK, is that it has an effect. Um, it, it affects the, the the common man more than it affects anyone else, because if you have a, a any delays in the supply chain, um, then. There will be issues in the transportation. There will be issues, uh, and that will have a knock-on effect on the availability to the supermarket um, to put things on the shelf. And when there's a shortage of things on the shelf, supermarkets tend to increase price even more because um, if they've got you know ten items and what hundred people want, then of course it's a, it's a basic uh, equations you know demand and supply uh, kicks in, uh, and uh, you know we are we are living in a world where free market capitalism rules um, mm. and uh, as much as uh, we are talking about how some of these retailers are uh, taking action to assist um, some people on on uh, on low income or who are in need um, um, the bottom line uh, is what rules um, and my fear is that if people are having problems now um, six months down the line um, we are going to be seeing people who are on middle incomes because at the moment you know we always talk about the working class we always talk about people on low income and and what people need to kind of wake up to is that this cost of living crisis this food crisis that we are talking about is going to be affecting people of middle income and this country majority of the people in this country uh, and I'm sure brother Sharif you might uh, uh, correct me here are on most people in this country are on middle income earners i, I would think so yeah i think it, it's you know ma be. majority of the politicians tend to kind of pander to the middle class isn't it so middle class would yes. be middle income would it not or am i am i yes. mistaken here i i, I think so the so medium salary in yeah. the uk is about 25k so and all um so it's, it's about it's about right what what you said and so it's about middle 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 range it's not low income earners but it's about mid mid range between 25 and 30k hmm. and that's yeah. across uk but in london it's 38 because london yes. london is you know it's a different ball game um yeah. but uh, but uh, yes you are correct um so gentlemen any any um, do you guys have any ideas about how what, what what do you guys do to save costs i mean i've got i looked it up um um and and uh, you know there are certain um what's the word um um ideas that you can um mm. you utilize to to um to cut mm. cost is it is it i mean I, i'll go back to the question i asked to me um it's is it better to eat better and less 
or have more but a lesser quality? Should if you want to start off. Yeah, of course you would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just because I took a deep breath. Yeah. I, think, um, um, I think it 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 really depends on the situation. I think as an adult, um less is better than mm-hmm. quality. Mm. So I think twice when I look at stuff in terms of what I'm buying and what I'm paying for it. Mm. But I think when you're um pushed to shove you you need to put food on the table i think where you truly need to think about the quality and quantity um quality versus qu- quantity so if you have three children to feed under the age of 10 mm. then you know you need quantity rather than quality because they're constantly going to be asking for more and and, and that's the and crux of it isn't it heartbreaking yeah that is the crux of it because when you have mul- when you have children yeah. it's you you as much as you want quality yeah. you don't have the affordability for it exactly and and i i guess uh, we're so lucky in that sense that you know being muslims we you know we we go through the month of ramadan and for our listeners that don't know this is uh, that month not only do we increase with on within our prayers and remembering god almighty but it is also that particular period where we fast from dawn till dusk and that means not drinking anything not eating anything you completely abstain from eating from dawn till dusk and in actuality when we think about it there are people out there in the world you know that have to live like this on a daily basis and this is one blessing of the month of ramadan as well that through this cycle you also start to think of those vulnerable people within the society i mean i i didn't mention earlier uh that within the teachings of islam that one core aspect is that you know we should look after those who uh vulnerable members of the society i mean i was looking that for the one of the virtual uh sittings with his holiness azam azam sur ahmed uh may god almighty strengthen his hand uh one of the students from the uk was from west midlands one of the students asked uh, regarding the question of qurbani rather than qurbani is uh, slaughtering an animal and uh, using that meat to give to the poor people so one individual asked if uh, instead of doing that if we could just give it to the poor and his holiness he added here that you know if we look at the traditions of the holy prophet peace be upon him this is what we did so we have to follow that and we have to do qurbani but he also added to the fact that you know instead of giving that meat here uh, you know to for example in in a play in a country like uk where you know we have so much of meat that you know the you know there there's diseases such as mad cow disease because <laughs> there's so much meat but he, his holiness mentioned that um you know a lot of people they give uh that uh, that amount you know the slaughtering those goes they give that towards in places like africa where you know they don't have access to meat and his holiness mentioned that uh, one particular country in africa where uh, such meat was then given to the poor people and those individuals there they said that we haven't seen meat for 3 years we haven't eaten or seen meat for 3 years can you believe it I mean we can't go without me for a week and you know there's there's countries out there and there's people out there that that say that you know that we haven't seen or we haven't eaten meat 
about three, four years. I mean, it's amazing. So, you know, Islam, in essence, it plays a huge role in looking after the vulnerable people of the society. And this is what it says in the Holy Quran. If I just, if I can just finish that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the Holy Quran, it says in chapter 2, verse 84, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, it says in the Holy Quran, and remember the time when we took a covenant from the children of Israel. You shall worship nothing but Allah and show kindness to parents and to the kindred and orphans and the poor and speak kindly to men um, and observe prayer and pay zakat and then you turn away in aversion except a few of you. So here God Almighty says that you should be speak considerably to you should consider the feelings of other people and love and protect vulnerable members of the society such as orphan children and those living in poverty and destitution wonderful um you know one thing that you did um, you, when you mentioned fasting it it came to mind that you know we get psychologically and physically prepared and trained um that when situations do arise we're able to kind of those the, those habits kind of kick in automatically, and it's already happening. I mean, I've, I've the number of, I mean, I, I in in the field I work, I come across a lot of people, um, and 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 I've already seen parents who are who are so concerned and are have got issues in respect of restri- are restricted financially, and so they already are fasting. Mm. They are they are looking at feeding their children, and if there's any leftovers. They're eating those, and they're restricting themselves to one meal a day. Wow. Um, that is actually happening out there. Wow. And, and, and that is something that people kind of need to wake up to. Because to me, the, one of the reasons when we talked about the political side of things, and as much as we joke about it, and, and, and there is doom and gloom, because we, we need to stop looking towards these people for solutions. Because, and the reason I used the pandemic as an example was that it pandemic, we survived because of community. We survived because we looked after our neighbor. We looked out for each other. Mm. You know, politicians across the board, in today's day and age, the trend, the, that period that we're going to, it's about populism. It's about themselves. And... The people who are going to help you, Brother Takir, you talked about Hukukullah and Hukukulabad earlier. Mm. And that's what kind of the pandemic proved that, you know, the rights of God and, and, and his creation. Mm. Pandemic people survived because they realized that all the worldly experts, politicians, medical experts, no matter what have you, they failed them. Mm. And they did look towards God because the increase in the number of people who looked towards God was significant mm. over the pandemic. And the people who actually kind of survived, the people who where foods and medicines were delivered were done by community workers mm. who work within the community, neighbors looking out for each other, neighbors doing shopping for each other, neighbors and, and, and people within the community, um, you know, finding solutions um, and, and sharing um, you know, good times or, or grievances um, or, or, you know, looking out for each other emotionally, physically and even um, from a in certain aspect of it financially. It wasn't governments. Mm. 
governments kind of did and dithered and that was across the world um you know but the reason i mentioned this from a from a home perspective i united kingdom is because again 200000 people perished and and to me the fact that um, brother uh, the, um, sharif mentioned it earlier that there's going to be an inquiry you know uh, do you need an inquiry to to determine 200000 people died in one of the richest countries in the world and you don't know why and you know all people did was profited people profited more millionaires were created during the pandemic than any other time what does i show you you know mm. and and and, and it's those kind of things that uh, you know people have and you know the reason when you said i said doom and gloom when I, when i asked you the question about politicians that's not just you it's across the board mm. Mm. it's across the board the faith in the people who are supposedly looking to govern us is disappeared and we as the ahmadiyya muslim community we are lucky we truly are blessed because we don't need to look towards the politicians because we are guided internationally across the world over 200 countries around the world by his holiness the one leader that that uh, you know who who we can say our leader our spiritual father his holiness hazrat mirza masur ahmed the fifth caliph to the promised messiah and um, may allah strengthen his hand who has been there you know since the day he became caliph all the way back to over you know 20 years ago uh, and who's there to guide us not just in uh, on on a on a spiritual basis but uh, this the guidance <coughs> comes from the holy quran and he guides us in islam which is the true deen which is the way of life that we practice and all aspects of our living all aspects of our living is covered and 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 we are guided as to what we can and what we should be doing in order to um to to deal with the crisis that we've had and that's coming up because one thing a lot of people don't realize i think it was in 2012 his holiness talked about the utilities crisis mm. 10 years ago he was very specific when he talked about electric bills going up where only the rich will be able to afford and the poor will be suffering oh. and people people need you know i i'm actually going to see if i can i can dig out um that sermon that was given by his holiness where he was very specific he warned this is the time when he was warning all the world leaders and he wrote a book on it as well and he wrote to all the world leaders that these times are coming so everything he said has happened and if people don't take heed now don't let it be said that nobody told you so <clears throat> it is so important that we turn towards god almighty because that's where the true solutions are going to come from brother okay. yeah i mean a very interesting discussion and i think it would be very re- relevant if i quote um swam quotes of the promised messiah peace be upon him the founder of the md muslim community Um so at one place the promised messiah peace be upon him he says that my state is such that if someone is in distress while as I am engaged in obligatory prayers and I hear their grief it is my adherent desire to break the prayer and to help that person and to shower them with as much love as possible such a beautiful quote that his holiness says that even if I'm in a state of my obligatory prayers and i hear someone who's in distress 
He says that it is his duty that he would break this prayer and go and help that particular person. And at, at another place, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, he says that to fail to help a brother in their time of need or difficulty is utterly immoral and wrong. At, an, at another place, uh, final quote, and then uh, I'll give it to you, Brother Kayum. He says that treat all creation of God with such deep love as though they are your close family members. Treat mankind in the same way that a mother treats her child. This is the way you should be and not that you help someone only so that you can attain benefit later or take a favour in return. With that, we are coming up to the hour. Uh, you're listening to The Breakfast Show with myself, Kayu, Brother Thokir and uh, Brother Sharif, um, who's joining us remotely. We're going to go to uh, a quick break for the 8 o'clock news. So go and grab yourself another cup of tea um, and join us um, after the 8 a.m. news. Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum, uh, Brother Thokir, and joining us from Stroud is Brother Sharif. Um, <clears throat> and uh, just before the break, uh, Brother Thokir um, was uh, um, was uh, sharing um, um, quotations and, and narrations from uh, the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, um, on whom be peace. On, on the importance, on the importance of assisting and helping, um, and you know one of the and 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 in view of that assistance, one of the reasons that we do these shows is also not just to discuss but to see what solutions can be found, um, and in to to assist people. And you know while um, when you know I realized that we were going to be doing these shows, I looked up um, um, some some um, some remedies. In how to reduce the price of your weekly grocery spend, and some of the the, the some of the solutions or the or, or the suggestions that have been made is things like bulk buying. Um, if you have your cupboard space, uh, then you should uh, buy because um, it, it uh, bulk buying um, historically everybody knows um, it's, it is a cost-effective um, method of buying, but. That doesn't mean you go into uh, and and even bulk buying. There's a system there. Bulk buying doesn't mean um, you know buy one get one free. A lot of buy one get one free offers um, you'll realize actually cost more than if you were to buy uh, you know the same the same items individually. So so you know you need to kind of um, have your you know your your calculators um, ready and and pre-plan. One of the other suggestions is to pre-plan 
Um, avoid pre and you know one thing I I, I looked at and I, and I never thought about it. You know when you go to shopping market shelves, there's a uh, they they already have pre-cut fruits and vegetables in small cases, and they're like forty fifty p up to a pound more expensive than you know than you actually buying that product and and going home and cutting it yourself. Um, you know so avoid pre-prepared fruits and vegetables. Plan your meals. People don't. Um, people don't plan meals. Meal planning also allows you to balance your diet. Um, and uh, last-minute purchases um, will always cost more. Um, it's a common, again, uh, uh, another suggestion that is, so it's a common assumption that frozen foods aren't nutritious, but this is not necessarily the case. We will be talking about this, uh, in fact, to our uh, to our guest um, um, shortly. So, you know, you can get freezing um, you know, freeze some of the products. Don't shop when hungry. I think this is so important. When you're hungry, and you shop, you will buy. You you will buy things. <laughs> yes, it it will be your eyes and your belly doing doing the shopping. Happens not to me. not the brain. Happen, happens to me all the time. You have no idea. <laughs> so so don't shop when hungry and make a list. You know, uh, it makes me it makes me laugh. We we always talk about the smartphone. The, the, one of the one of the one of the features of a smartphone is a to-do list. Most people I know they don't even know that it has a to-do list in it. What's the point of having a to-do list in your phone and you're not going to use it? So so utilize it. Watch out what you throw in the bin. This is very important. Mm. Very important. Um, that you know, um, you'd be surprised the amount of good quality foods you can make with leftovers. You know, play Great. fusion. A bit of fusion helps. Um, uh, you know, think outside the box. Um, uh, you know, um, look before you buy, and 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 by that I can tell you exactly what that means. When you go to a supermarket, yeah, there there is a, a, a simple formula called, um, um, you know, first in, first out. So it's in if if a company's bought something, they're going to whatever they've bought. They want to get rid of that quickly than the fresh product. So the fresh foods will either be in the stock room or they will put at the back of the shelf. So they will move forward everything that has got an expiry date mm. forward. Most people don't look at expiry dates. Look at the expiry date. And if it's something, uh, you know, yesterday I went shopping and it, uh, you know, bought some, some salad and it was like expiry date 30th of August. Well, hold on, today's the 30th of August. But when you looked in the back, 4th of September, so look up and down the aisle. And if it's not there, guess what? Ask. There are so many people there. Say, oh, have you got something which is more, which has got a more of a, of a longer uh, sell-by date, even though sell-by dates are going. You talked about it. Have meat-free days during the mm. week. Um, oh. You know, store cards. Sometimes store cards help, like, you know, the Nectars and, and, and uh, you know, the, the Tesco club cards, the Sainsbury club cards. There's so many club cards. Um, there are yellow sticker aisles. Some shopping supermarkets they want to kind of um, dispose of some things which uh, are are going to run out of their sell by dates. Use those, um, you know. Use those. Shop around. People don't shop around before. You know. You have again phone, internet. You can you can compare prices. It doesn't cost you anything. And Brother Kiyun. Yes. Um, if I may, um, we'll continue that in a bit. But we have our first guest on the line. We do. We have uh, Dr. Stacey Lockyer with us, who was inspired to work in public health nutrition 
by the launch of the FSA's five-a-day campaign during her degree in biology um, with psychology at Royal Holloway. Welcome, good morning, assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, Dr. Lockyer. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Um, what is the importance of having five a day? We're talking about earlier. We were talking about the importance of quality over quantity. Um, so, having a five a day um, is is important. We've always heard about it. We've kind of grown up with it. Why is it so important? Well, fruits and vegetables provide us with a range of important nutrients. For example, fibre and also vitamins and minerals. So the advice is that we should be aiming for at least five portions a day, as you said. A portion is 80 grams. And also it is important to try and have a variety. So different colors of fruits and vegetables, because they will provide us with different combinations of those important nutrients. So for example, things like vitamin C, potassium. Um, So as I think you mentioned earlier, it's important to recognize that when we're going for a five a day, it doesn't all have to be fresh fruits and vegetables. So canned fruits and vegetables count and frozen fruit and vegetables count as well. Also dried fruits and vegetables. So if you have um, 30 grams of dried fruit, for example, that's one of your five a day. And also pulses. So peas, beans and lentils, if you have 80 grams of one of those, that also counts as up to one of your five a day. So overall, we know that diets that are higher in fruits and vegetables are linked to having a lower risk of developing diseases such as heart disease, stroke and some types of cancer. So really important. Thank you for that. Um, My question is, what are some of the challenges of eating healthy? So I think you you were just picking up on some of these points in your discussion just now. So unfortunately, cost can be Mm. a barrier to healthy eating. So back to my original point about frozen and canned fruits and vegetables. They tend to be cheaper and they do count towards your five a day. Also, for those of us who eat fish, fresh fish can be expensive, but mm. it's, it's equally good to go for canned fish um, and also frozen fish. And pulses that I mentioned, they're really great because they can help to bulk out your meals so that you, you, you can use less meat within the same recipe. So things such as chili con carne, also things such as stews and soup if you would if you normally use meat to make those you can you can reduce the amount of meat and you can use pulses instead so these are these are great for protein some other That's challenges gone. sorry sorry no, i was just going to say some other challenges mm. um to healthy eating can be cooking so the, having the skills and the, the knowledge to cook, but also having the confidence to cook meals from scratch. So it's definitely worth asking. You might have a friend or a family member who's really good at cooking, so you, you could ask them if they'd be willing to teach you. And also it's worth just having a look online because some local councils and also charities offer free cooking lessons for members of the public. And finally, time, um, definitely something that we all 
struggle with is having the time to prepare healthy meals. If you are having to grab food on the go sometimes, so this might be a sandwich, for example, um, at lunchtime, what you can do to make sure that you're, you're making a healthier choice is you can use the labels mm. on the packets. So we have traffic light labels. So these show us how much fat, saturated fat, sugars and salt are in these pre-prepared products. And so if you are grabbing something, you're comparing two products, then try to go for the one that's got more greens and perhaps some ambers and fewer reds on the label. That's that's some really helpful and practical advice. Um, I, th I think you touched briefly, um, but what are the benefits of actually eating healthy? So we we have these essential nutrients which we need to get from our diet so that our bodies can function normally but also following a healthy balanced diet and also maintaining a healthy body weight can help to reduce our risk of developing chronic diseases the ones the ones i mentioned earlier so heart disease stroke type 2 diabetes and some types of cancer in the longer term so it's important to try to follow a healthy balanced diet and maintain a healthy body weight but it's also important to look after yourself in other ways so things such as not smoking being physically active and also getting enough good quality sleep uh, good morning uh, dr stacy you mentioned heart disease and one yeah. question that people often ask is how can eating healthy reduce the chances of developing heart disease so if you could please also shed some light on that Yes, yeah, so some of the risk factors for heart disease, we can actually modify these through our diet. So specifically high blood cholesterol, high blood pressure and being overweight, these can all increase our risk of developing heart disease, but, but we can aim to change these factors. So for example, if we think about cholesterol, we know that if we eat too much saturated fat in our diet. So this is a type of fat that's typically found in foods such as butter, ghee, coconut oil, pastries, fatty meats and cream. If we have too much of these foods in our diets that, that contain saturated fat, over time this can raise our blood cholesterol. And we know that having raised blood cholesterol increases our risk of developing heart disease. So the advice here with saturated fat is to reduce saturated fat in our diets and replace it with unsaturated fat so this is found in foods such as olive rapeseed and sunflower oil and also nuts and seeds so good idea instead of things like butter ghee and coconut oil for, for cooking um, is to use oils such as olive rapeseed oil vegetable oil sunflower oil um, if we're thinking about snacking nuts and seeds healthier healthier snacks than foods such as cakes and biscuits. So, so that can help us to reduce our blood cholesterol. Another important factor with the diet when we're thinking about heart disease risk is salt. So too much salt in the diet can lead to raised blood pressure, which can increase our risk of heart disease. So it's important to watch how much salt we're having in our diet. I mentioned the traffic light labels earlier that you can find on some food products. So that, that, is it one way of us knowing how much 
salt is in there. So again, try to go for products that have more have a green for salt, um, possibly an amber, but um, cut down on the the ones that have a red. And also, when we're cooking, we can use less salt in cooking. And one way of doing this is to use herbs and spices, for example, to add flavour to our food instead of salt. Wonderful. Dr. Stacey Lockyer, as always, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on to The Breakfast Show. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. Thank you very much. Take care. You too. Goodbye. Bye-bye. And there we had uh, Dr. Stacey Lockyer, who was inspired to work in public health nutrition by the launch of the FSA's five-a-day campaign during her degree in biology with psychology at Royal Holloway. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to go on to our second topic of the morning, which is mathematics being used to predict kids' tantrums during car journeys. Uh, What can I say? Um, Let's see what we are going to talk about uh, after a very quick break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to <laughs> Welcome back to Thursday morning breakfast show with myself Kayum and joining me is brother Tokir and brother Sharif. Um, <clears throat> interesting topic, uh, you know, to discuss with two people who are not parents. But uh, <laughs> But it is fascinating, uh, you know, it is fascinating uh, topic. Um. I, I think you came into the show thinking that our oh, wonderful topic, uh, both the Sharif and Tukir, their parents. Well, I was looking at, you know, two young guys, you know, married with children, you know. Well, you know, my kids, my, my you know, my, my kids are old enough to be parents. And you with you guys, I was thinking, okay, you know, um, it, it is an interesting topic. It's, it's fascinating. Um, I, I find... Uh, when when we come across uh, you know in in today's day and age i'll say i'll show my age i'm i'm a i'm a dinosaur you know in our days we it wasn't all about studies and and researchers and mm. you know but today we come across so many studies and research and 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 you know we we the, the generation of today um and the society of today is so reliant on on uh, social media on these studies um, and and it 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 does make the mind boggle. It it uh, you know it, that uh, where, which way are we heading? But just the gist of the story for the benefit of our listener is that the statistician has calculated the exact formula. Uh, you know, <laughs> the exact formula <laughs> for predicting the chances and timing of children throwing a tantrum in the back of a car during a long journey. Dr. Hines' research, based on responses from 2,000 parents, 2,000 parents, found that the time um, the average child will typically take to throw a tantrum during a long car journey is 70 minutes. Factors such as entertainment, food and siblings all influence the likelihood and timing of tantrums. Gentlemen, I, I open the floor to you. Did, did, did were both of you, you know, tantrum children? I was. I can <gasps> honestly say I was. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I don't think seventy minutes is accurate. I think it was more like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what's what's your take on this, gentlemen? Um, who wants to take it on? Who, who wants to who wants to give me kind of the outline of what this article is all about? I, I'm just surprised at how they managed to calculate the exact formula for predicting the chances. That's that's what I want to know. Yeah, I, I'll I'll give my comments at the end of it. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll leave it to you, young mathematicians. <laughs> So what is what is the outline of this article, gentlemen? Who wants to take it, brother Turkir? I mean, like neither of you are willing to go on board with this, are you? All right, okay. Basically, the the, the statistician Dr. Hind has succeeded uh, in calculating a formula for predicting the chances and timing of children throwing a tantrum in the back of a car during a long journey. I mean, uh, you know, I would love to know what a long journey means. Or on family trips, according to James Hines, the, uh, the you know for, uh, Dr. James Hind from Nottingham Trent University, T equals seventy plus zero point five E plus fifteen F minus ten S is the code that parents can use to find the total chances of backseat breakdowns. Dr. Hines' research was uh, based on responses from two thousand parents found that the time the average child will usually take to throw a tantrum during a long car journey is 70 minutes you know as much as we're joking about it i would love to know the breakdown mm. of the ages of the parents mm. um and the experiences maybe from a from a different generation it, it i think it would be very very different i, I think so and uh, if we look at nowadays when i am on any journeys and i remember um, when my brother's children were with us um, visiting, there wouldn't be any five-minute journey that we wouldn't have to play their song or their um, cartoon on the tablet so that they would stay quiet, so that they wouldn't throw a tantrum. So it would be interesting to look at the data behind this and look at what is it, what demographic, what ethnicity and all those elements. Yeah, plays see, I think, diversity, I think diversity will also play a, quite a significant role here. I think yeah. culturally... Um, the, 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 you know, it would be interesting um, to 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 see how this equation works with different mm. cultures. Mm. So you know, it would be interesting to see the breakdown of the parents. And as I said, it would also be interesting to see if the same um, equation uh, or similar questions, when maybe of a different generation, were were uh, were asked um, the same question that they asked to modern day parents. And what the responses would have been, because look, a seventy day, seventy minutes is not really a journey in today's day and age. That's what just over an hour, mm. you know. With mm. the, you know, an hour is is like a, a normal, um, you know, it's a normal trek to go to work. It's it's not a journey. That's just a, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but it's. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and dismantle this this theory because uh, you know it's it's uh, it, that's not for me to do. But um, um, you know, it, it's uh, it is it is all about mathematics. Um, but uh, instead of me and, and and two very unforthcoming um, you know presenters here with me who don't really want to uh, you know give because and rightfully so they're not parents so they can't contribute um, effectively. But uh, what we uh, had. I was the, waiting for that to come in. <laughs> well, well, the, the, uh, every time, every time I've had a conversation with all my friends who have children. European doesn't count because they no, don't have children. God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, may God forgive me. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Your opinion is as valuable as anyone else. As, 
valuable as anyone else. But we did uh, have the opportunity. Uh, our producers uh, um, had the opportunity to discuss um, um, this topic with with uh, with mothers. Um, and uh, so, so you know, they they are the, in in a best place to kind of um, uh, to comment on this. So let's go and listen to this uh, lengthy conversation um, that happened uh, between um, uh, Saima, Maria, uh, Mufliha, and and Henna, who are uh, active parents. So let's go and see what they had to say. Today we're talking about a formula developed by Dr. James Hine from Nottingham Trent University. He claims that parents can use this formula to find the total chances of children having a backseat breakdown. He found that the time the average child <clears throat> would usually take to throw a tantrum during a long car journey is approximately seven minutes. And some of those factors that can affect this include entertainment, food and siblings. So we wanted to talk to the real experts and find out their views. So today I'm joined by a very few special active and busy mums all the way from Canada and the US with their own diverse experiences of managing the challenge, challenges of youngsters whilst travelling. So peace be upon you ladies and thank you all for joining us on The Breakfast Show this morning. So first of all, I wanted to ask you, Maria, I mean, you're, uh, you're a busy mum of, of three and by all accounts, you've done plenty of solo travelling by car, plane, bus and, and even scooters. So could you tell us a little bit more about some of your experiences of managing young children during journeys? I think first and foremost is that I've been travelling very long journeys since they were born. That means like I was nursing my kids in the car, driving alone, from anywhere from a five-hour trip to a 10-hour trip, um, really planning their trips around. Honestly, kids are yeah, planning their trips around mealtimes. If, if you can hit that sweet spot where, you know, you have them fed, but not too much that they'll vomit, you have a little bit of buffer in between, you know they'll be entertained, and then, you know, you can, depending on how young the kids are, even older kids, it's something about a car ride, they're, they're out like a light. You know, they're, they're snoozing. So if you can get that sweet two, three hours to yourself, it's an easy, you know, you, you get an easy four or five hours in the beginning. And um, after that, I, I just, honestly, it's trial and error. And a couple of things I found that worked really, really well were, um, first of all, oftentimes mothers will have one child that requires more attention. In my case, it's, it's my middle child. He does have trouble emotionally regulating. He frequently has like misunderstandings and whatnot. So I find communication is key. I really explain to them, you know, that if, if he's having a tantrum or a meltdown, I'll let the other, I'll let the older one and the younger one who's, who's three, I'll let them know that, you know, I'm going to get back to you in just one minute. I'm with your brother and, and, you know, like you're not ignored. Okay, honey. Okay. Okay. And really pick and choose your battles. You know, you're, a, a, a long plane ride or a car trip, I'm really not going to worry about are they eating organic? Are they, you know, if, if I've, I've given them, you know, I, I've actually saved their treats for, you know, say, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a long ride and, and I know something they're, they're particularly fond of, bring it with me. It doesn't have to be anything big because, you know, you're traveling alone, lots of luggage as is, especially with baby. 
something really, really small, you know, like cutting up stickers and keeping them with you and, and really remembering not to open the, the bag all at once, you know, giving them time to, like, the, I was reading the math formula and it had me laughing so loud that, you know, <laughs> you can increase the time to 15 minutes depending on uh, what entertainment the child has. And if the child has siblings, the time lessens by 10 minutes. And it was so spot on. <laughs> and so I guess you do have to do a fair bit of math. And, uh, you know, really picking your battles, having lots of finger foods, bringing small items. Moms know their kids. I have one sticker enthusiast, so I, I really make sure to get the easy peel stickers. You know, you don't want, you want to have anything once we had, um, no. Yeah, we had stickers on, on, the, on the back of our van for about two, three years that just would not come off. So really trial and error. I have another one who's a rock and marble enthusiast, and, you know, that's not always something you can do with a baby, you know, choking hazards. They're just really trial and error. And, and the, the biggest advice I can give is don't use everything at once. Really time yourself properly, time your routine. That being said, also have a lot of leniency, right? If they miss a nap, it's okay, you know? If they miss, if, if their food schedule is off here and there, it's okay. Children really emotionally regulate depending on the adult. If you can stay calm, chances are the kids will come through. You know, I've, I've had um, safety is always first. There, there have been times I'm on the highway, and um, at that time I had two nursing children, both screaming. And, you know, there's really nothing you can do but just stay calm and, and get there safely. And, and, yeah, that's it. I can hear a bit of uh, kicking off in the background behind yeah. you as well, Marie. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so your your key message is 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 obviously good planning, yes, and and try to plan that just after meal time, so they're feeling a little bit sleepy, and 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 pick wow. your battles. So, so, so a good strategy there with 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 kind of things to do. That's brilliant. That thank you so much, um, Simon. I kind of I kind of wanted to come to you with the same question. Um, if I introduce you a little bit, because you're the co-founder of a non-profit organization called Visible Angels, um, who are dedicated to supporting mums with children with special educational needs. So I kind of wanted to hear from your perspective of, of if there are additional or other challenges around children with those additional needs. Yeah, so Jezebelkala, but I feel like Maria said every single point. For me, so <laughs> mine would uh, essentially be supplementary to hers. Um, children are children. Whether they have special needs or not, they're still kids. That's something we need to remember. But um, first and foremost, it's always going to be forewarned is forearmed. So definitely preparation is key. You know your child and each of their needs. You know, uh, like uh, how Maria was saying that one of her kids likes stickers, one of mine likes um, puzzles, or another one might like to read. Um, regarding uh, the special needs, again, uh, yes, you do have to make sure that their needs are catered to. Um, and it's important to prepare our children in the same way we would want notice so that we uh, we can uh, so that we can prepare and involving your children in their preparation not only lifts the complete burden off of you but it also teaches them responsibility and allows allows the child to make decisions for themselves 
And I even do that with my special needs kids. So my, I, mm. I have two. I'm blessed with two children, uh, three mm. in total, but two uh, with special needs. My youngest has uh, autism, and he there are specific toys that he has to have, or there are specific. There's a cushion um, that he he will always want with him when he's traveling, um, or even there's certain shoes that he likes to wear when he's going on long rides. And my other son, he will he will want to make sure he's downloaded certain games or he's packed a certain amount of clothes. Uh, there's all these things. There's all these things that I say, okay, so you know that you want to take this, this many clothes with you, go upstairs, go pack them, go choose them yourself, and it gives them a sense of responsibility, and I think it's important. Um, also making sure there's healthy snacks as well. I understand completely, and I agree 100% about uh, bringing treats and not being so um, rigid, um, that, that this isn't mm. the time to be rigid. But if you already have uh, fruits and finger veggies that are easily accessible, um, they're, more, they're, more, um, they're more filling, for one. And there'll be, there'll be just something that when they open up the cooler, they'll grab it. So it's just something that they'll have. And I try to keep in the car, if I'm traveling or with me, um, just water, just plain water, because uh, it's really more refreshing. Having said that, we always make a pit stop at a Burger King or a Tim Hortons or something, <laughs> um, because we, ha- you know, that that is a go-to. Uh, even the adults need that. So, um, lastly, of course, keep games, puzzles, whatever uh, your kids need uh, to keep them busy. Again, I agree with Mar- uh, with Maria. Don't give it all at once. Um, Mm. but there's something that they need, uh, more, they need engagement, not just entertainment. So Mm. some of my fondest memories are traveling with my family and we would recite nazams. My mom would, uh, check that we knew our, uh, prayers or we would play fun games like naming capitals of countries alphabetically. So this Mm. creates memories, but it also strengthens the family's bond. We're not just um, you know, isolated in the car uh, or on the plane, uh, away from each other. We, we're not, con- we're not, we're not suffering a disconnect. Um, we are connecting with each other, and it does create memories for everybody. Um, if your kids, you have to remember as well. To as adults, we need to be more patient too, um, because the kids are kids are meant to move. Uh, they are enclosed in a small space, and they need uh, they need to move. They need to just you know move their arms or move their legs, whatever they can move, mm-hmm. um, and just get that little bit of uh, exercise. So it's important to make sure you do have those pit stops or breaks or something like that. Yeah. Thank you. I think I think it's quite interesting what what you said about you know engaging the children in that journey with you rather than kind of seeing them as having having to entertain them as as kind of an additional chore isn't it and I think that's really important Uh, you know um, I think I think most people still play I spy don't they sorry Simon that's never gonna go I spy is never gonna go hopefully (laughs) but I'm just saying it's important to they need all kinds of stimulation. Yeah. They need, uh, brought, they need physical stimulation. They need, mm-hmm. 
bio, they need biological, I guess, with with oh. their feeding and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. they need mental stimulation too. Mm-hmm. Lovely. That, that, thank you. That was that was uh, you know some interesting points you made there. Um, if I turn to you now, uh, uh, um and I have it on good authority that you've got your work cut out, being a mother of a six-year-old daughter and a th- three-year-old son, who I believe you also homeschool. Yeah, and in, adi- in addition to that, you you're also a part-time tra- been part-time travelling for the past uh, five years, hopping around Southeast Asia and doing some pretty impressive volunteer work in Peru and and, and other places. Um, I also note that you hold a Bachelor's of Arts um, from America University in International Development, with a focus on food politics and conflict resolution. Now I can imagine. The latter part of that subject is something that comes in very, very handy uh, when travelling with very young young kids. I kind of wanted to ask you, what, what do you think are the main factors that contribute towards children becoming irritable during journeys? Yeah, I think um, what I see is I think uh, the main factors for um, leading to irritable children are hunger or mm-hmm. you, overusing of devices and screens. Um, and general tiredness and lack of breaks. Like those are the main things I think that lead to cranky, cranky kids. And when you say sort of overuse of screen time, is that kind of in general all the time or just during journeys? I think at least for our family, we tend to just do um, like audiobooks or, you know, uh, we'll either listen to Nazan's or religious poems, or we'll do, like, we'll listen to music, but we won't watch anything because I think even though it may, the screens might um, keep the kids entertained for that time, I've always noticed that they are crankier afterwards. So for us as a family, we just don't do screens during travel because it just, it just seems that the kids are crankier afterwards. What would you two say about that, uh, uh, your experience of screen time during journeys? Have you had that experience? I would actually agree to tell you the truth, Farley Kumsan. I do actually agree. Um, But uh, for some special needs kids, um, it is different. So with some uh, children with autism, uh, even some kids with uh, ASD and uh, some other uh, special educational needs, um, they don't, uh, they require a... Uh, a tablet or a gadget or something like that where they uh, just that's what they focus on because they don't and they learn from it they they use that as their learning source and communication device so and I'm sure that this is not what Mufliha is uh, referring to Um, it may just be that she's referring to atypical children but um, uh, some children do require a that tablet as their source of communication, as a, a source. They it it allows them to um, regulate their emotions. No, I agree with that because I think for us the biggest challenges is that my daughter gets really carsick, so we do have to have a way to distract her, and for us that's music. Um, so we do end up listening to music for like a good portion of our trip, or we'll sing together, or. Um, so I, I, I definitely agree that um, depending upon whatever um, your kids' needs are, you do have to adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's it's funny that you say that because it took me about three years to I don't get carsick to realize that it was my daughter was getting carsick because of the screen. 
whereas my middle child, um, ADHD, he, he required the screen time just to unwind and de-stress. So it really mm-hmm. is fascinating to see how it's so different for a child. So Absolutely. I think looking down is a big one. So definitely not having a screen, but looking down. I've I've done like the weirdest. I, I've made like a cell phone holder with my hair tied in an emergency or put it in like a Ziploc bag. You know, at least hold the screen upwards. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Quite uh, ingenious <laughs> methods of holding uh, screens and, that doesn't let oh, include elastic bands. Yeah, <laughs> you, you actually, you said something about um, engaging with the children and I... I had, I, I guess I had really suppressed the memory because it was just such a long day for me, but I remember having to sing and talk to them for almost nine hours straight. I had lost my voice the next day. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a cheer that we do every time we cross a state border. So my six-year-old is always <laughs> asking, like, how many miles do we have before we get to the next state? And then, like, mm-hmm. you know, when we're a mile or two away, they're getting, like, super excited and they have this cheer that they do. <laughs> Um, or they'll we'll point mm-hmm. out like different terrains, like whether it's mountains or rivers, yeah. and they love tunnels and hilly roads, and yeah. um, so definitely keeping them engaged is a is a, a big but one. Ask you all as well. Um, you know, do do you think? I mean, uh, Dr. Hines come up with this formula, and it sounds like it's quite accurate by all accounts. But do you do you think as mums, you really need a, a maths formula to to help you predict and manage, you know, your child's behaviour? Or do you just think mm-hmm. it's a given? You learn it. Sometimes math is something that you, you often wonder, how is it going to actually help us? But look, they're finding mm-hmm. out a way. But I don't, um, I mean, this is behavioral. So, and nobody mm-hmm. knows their child better than, their, better than the mother, than, than the caregiver. So, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's great. And um, I think anything that helps is a blessing. For sure, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like you know spit in the face of this. I I, I mean I would love to. I, I would love to read more about it, and then maybe maybe it will help me identify more triggers, or more symptoms mm-hmm. of uh, behavioural issues. And if it does mm-hmm. that, then for me that's that really is a blessing. I just wanted to quickly add that you know I think it also varies by you know what resources the mother has. My mom passed away when I was younger. I did not have any family support from either side of the family. Didn't have much community support. So reading that math formula, it actually made me feel sane and very sane. Is there any mode of transport that you find most challenging with children? I think it would depend on each family. Like for my family, the car sickness is the most challenging thing. That's like we sort of have to deal around that, like making sure we take breaks making sure the car is cool um, um, and like my daughter's not wearing anything warm, um, you know, having her distracted, um, having those activity bags ready. You know, my kids also love stickers and books and we love finger puppets. um, That keeps all of us entertained. (laughs) Um, I suppose if you're driving your own car, you've got... An element of control, haven't you? Because you can you can decide when you want to take breaks or when you need to take breaks. Um, whereas it, when you're on public transport, you don't have the same luxury of that, do you? Exactly. But I think for planes, at least, um, I know when my kids were little, I always had this rule: like after half an hour, they need to be walking up and down the aisle. Um, we take lots of trips to the you know the bathrooms and just like 
just randomly walking up and down the aisles and stuff. But yes, for the car, I think you do have that freedom um, of being able to stop. Um, and I think like breaking up your journey, we love, we actually take really long meal breaks so the kids can run around. Or if we know that it's going to be a really, really long journey, like breaking up the journey into two days also really helps. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, bre- breaking it down and just making it uh more ma- into more manageable chunks and steps, yeah. If you've got the time, that is, yeah. You haven't got a, exactly. a deadline to meet. Um, I wanted to bring in in um, Henna. Um, if I just give you a little bit of an introduction, so Henna studied and practiced pharmacy in the UK, um, and now is working in long-term pharmaceutical care sector. She's a mother of a three-year-old girl, and she's also one of our senior researchers here on the show and studying French. Is that correct, Anna? You're you're a French student? Yes, I'm a Yeah, I'm studying French. Peace be upon you, and and, and thanks for for joining us. And I I believe you, you have some tips about that how we might approach understanding the kind of psychology or the, or, or the expression of tantrums and that might give us, make us better equipped to how to, how to manage them. Yeah. Um, it was really lovely um, organizing this. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's really interesting. Um, I just had like, um, I've been on a lot of journeys as well. And I think one that stands to mind is when I was traveling from UK to Canada on the plane and I was by myself with my little one and she was on my lap and, um, I think it's really um, helpful when there are people who are friendly and kind. So there was a couple from Florida who were sitting next to me and having a conversation with me and it put me at ease with my daughter because, um, and if when I was at ease, my daughter felt at ease as well. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are some people who can be a little bit judgmental if like a minor accident Mm. occurs and then they put a huge sense of shame upon someone. So I think as a parent, it's important to remain cool and calm if your child acts up or has a tantrum because it happens and it's normal. We're all human and kids are in this developmental stage of regulating their emotions and they can Mm. act up. Um, But just to ignore the judgment and focus on just you and your child. Um, I feel that we're very lucky to have the guidance of Hazur and Hilafat, which is our caliph of um, the Muslim Mm. community, because in one of the Jalsa speeches um, in the UK in 2018, he mentioned that when a child makes a mistake, you should make them aware of that in privacy. And I think that's a very profound thing to say because um, <clears throat> because it's not only like a reflection of how the Holy Prophet raised his children, but it's also completely in line with the leading science of today because it doesn't mean to say that not to discipline your child in that moment, but you can be firm with them and tell them not to misbehave. However, there should be a greater emphasis placed on communicating in privacy because it takes away that sense of shame and humiliation, which can be emotionally damaging, but it also solves the root cause of the problem. And according to some neuroscientific studies, um, when your child is going through a tantrum, they are stressed about something which they're not able to communicate to you about. So telling them off and yelling at them or teaching them in that moment can be a little bit useless because... There's an amygdala section of their brain that is detecting a threat. And so it causes their hypothalamus to snap in that moment. And that child is unable to process um, much, hardly anything, because their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. So I think it's important in that moment of a tantrum to get down, make eye contact with them, give them a hug, let them calm down, breathe with them, and that but then their brain can stop the stress alarm that's coming going in that inside and it's then when they are relaxed 
so we can talk to them about their behavior and figure out ways by rationally talking to them. So, for instance, if they don't want to wear their seatbelt, talk to them about why we wear it, why it helps us keep us safe so that they can understand the importance of it. So it's not about being a soft parent or spoiling a child. It's about helping them to regulate their emotions in a healthy way. I think what you've said is is is, is quite profound because I think it also applies to adults, doesn't it? Because you know, when adults get very heightened with their emotions, it's very difficult to get through to them with with kind of rational conversation or logic. You need to kind of let them them cool down with their emotions and 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 regulate again. So I think that does you know. And obviously, we've got the the uh, benefit of being able to verbalise and communicate uh, what's what what's bothering us or what what's irritating us or what we need whereas a child doesn't have that so you know some really really good advice and good tips there um henna thank you so much and i'd just like to say thank you to all you ladies for taking the time out and and, and joining and sharing your wonderful diverse experiences and and probably much needed uh, tips to to other parents in similar uh, situations Thank you very much and hope to see you again on the show soon. A new station, the voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show. And there we had uh, Sister Christine who was interviewing um, um, some some parents uh, on the topic of discussion this morning about uh, children having tantrums and um, um, you know relating to the mathematical formula that uh, we have been discussing. But you know, um, before me and Brother Thakir and Brother Sharif come back into the conversation, let's go to our next guest um, of the morning. We have with us Sister Sh- uh, Sister Shamama who is a housewife and a mum of two boys. She is currently serving as an outreach secretary for the, the for the Tolworth chapter of the Amdiya Muslim, um, uh, Muslim Association. She loves to bake different cakes and bakes, uh, as well as volunteers for uh, within the Amdiya Muslim uh, community. Good morning, welcome, assalamu alaikum, and peace be on you. Good morning, assalamu alaikum, and peace be on you. Um, thank you for taking time out uh, for us on uh, The Breakfast Show. Um, we are talking about uh, a mathematical formula that was recently created to predict the likelihood and the frequency of children having tantrums. Um, you have two boys. In your experience, what uh, factors such as gender um, or do they make uh, a difference um, in the challenges you face? Or, or is age a bigger factor? Thank you so much for having me. Um, I think um, each and every factor that counts um, whether it's a boy or a girl, and uh, especially um, the length of your journey, uh, what is the length, how far are you uh, from your destination, how long it would take, and uh, different situations trigger um, each child uh, in a different way. I wouldn't say boys are easier to control, neither I would say girls are easier to uh, manage d- during your journey. It's just, a, um, I think, a matter of uh, different demands of all ages. Also, how you are catering their needs uh, during the journey and um, whether you are yourself uh, prepared for all the possible situations which you may face during the journey. I think one of the factors uh, would be very vital 
if before each journey you speak to your child um where we are going how far is the destination and how we would be uh, taking the breaks and um the, the mode of your travel if you are traveling by car or if it's a distant uh, journey if you are going by plane or even um, uh, if there is a path in the field when we are taking ferries or things like that so i think that works really well if the child is already breathed if the child is already aware um what they are going through so that that really helps and um if it's just the way how you are prepared and how you are preparing the mind uh, of your child for the journey rather than just them uh, putting them in the car and then just driving away if they don't know where they are going and if they if they aren't prepared uh, with the certain things to keep them busy during the journey i think uh, that's a nightmare so i would say just a way of catering their needs sister jama you you mentioned uh, a lot of the things that you're mentioning i mean me yes. as a parent myself and my children are old enough to be parents themselves is is you're talking about parenting aren't you i mean we're not using the word parenting but to equip your child with certain things is part and parcel of your parenting is it not uh to copy your child no no to to, to for for your child to have tantrums yeah. or to avoid your child having tantrums yeah yeah that's part and parcel of the upbringing you give to your child isn't it it's yeah. part and parcel of you as a parent to yeah. ensure that that doesn't happen yes that that is that is absolutely right because obviously they are children they cannot uh, you know keep calm and just sit back and just wait for them uh, to be out on their destination they will be upset during the journey and they will be showing some tantrums even if there are like uh, if you you have three or four children in your uh, back seat and they all are uh, you know having uh, arguments with each other for no reason mm-hmm. and sometimes they can trigger really big tantrums and that is the point uh, where your parenting skill will uh, jump in that how you are going to control that uh, without disturbing your journey and without disturbing your drive so i think it, uh, that's why i'm saying um, it's it's not possible to stop the tantrums at all because obviously they are children they'll get upset they are sitting in the car or plane or whatever for uh, for for a long time and it's disturbing them so that's why it is necessary to cater them accordingly whether you need a break whether you need to stop the car whether you need to take them out um just uh, to stretch their legs even uh, on on plane journey if uh, um same situations are occurring um then according to the um, age of your child you have to cater them just to uh, control those uh, episodes of tantrum or then uh, they are upset yes fin- finally we are coming up to the hour so if you could quickly just um share with me what you think a mat whether a mat formula is needed or is necessary um or do mothers know or do fathers why should they be just mothers do fathers and mothers know best oh that's quite a difficult thing but <laughs> i think as uh, as a mother as a parent i i would say i think parents know the best yes uh, because you. you are upbringing your children and you know even 
when your child blinks the eye, when your child shows you some gestures, you immediately pick it up. What is the problem and what is the matter? Why your child is behaving like that? I am not completely discouraging the signs and uh, the the formulas which are made like according to time, travel time, um, uh, you know, behavior of your child, whatever uh, ingredients are there to build up that formula. I am not completely discouraging that. Perhaps if it's not working for me, maybe it can work for some other parents or maybe for some other one, if uh, not them. But the the thing is, naturally, parents have got uh, that in- instinct. They've been blessed by uh, God Almighty um, to, to understand their child, to understand their own blood. What are their needs and um, what do they need? And as I earlier said, each child is different with different needs and demands. And um, for, I, I think formula is just a hypothesis based on various experiences. It's not something which is containing a solution for each and every parent or for each and every child. So um, uh, it, it's good to uh, keep on studying the behaviors and keep on formula- formulating such things, but you cannot just give one verdict whether it's right or wrong, and you cannot deny that parenting instinct, that parenting skill which uh, which you have been blessed uh, as a parent by God Almighty. Um, the, also, the, these formulas, they really cannot solve the real life uh, situations which may um, uh, by chance occur at any second and sometimes they occur with, with, with some changing scenarios. So, I mean, you have to just immediately think and work out what you are going to do. And uh, according to different journeys, there are different challenging uh, challenges and every journey has its own challenges. So you have to deal with them accordingly, and um, it's really all about mainly the uh, I, I would say common sense and, and knowing the knowing the nature of your child. Wonderful, Sister Shimama. I'm sorry to cut you off. We are coming up to the end of the show, um, and I, and I like the way you have put that. It is coming down to common sense and knowing your child. And parents do know best. Thank you for taking time out coming on to this morning. Have a good day. Uh, may peace be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we are coming up to the hour. Gentlemen, very quickly, uh, Brother Thukir, 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I would just say, emphasize the point that when you're on journeys, just uh, continuously uh, invoke yourself in the remembrance of God Almighty. Uh, and that that is the best way, you know, before you set off a journey and even through the journey. Um, and there's great blessings in that. Wonderful. Uh, Brother Sharif, Brother Thakir, thank you gentlemen so much. We are coming up to the hour. Just want to thank all of our guests for coming on to our show. I want to thank uh, Kanta, Hania, Barira, Halima, Saleha, Khafia, Dania Nasser and uh, Sister Christine Sharif for um, for uh, researching and uh, producing today's show. And to all of our guests again and to you for listening. Um, please forgive any shortcomings on our part until we meet again. Please remember us in your prayers. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.